So don't be offended, but we have a thing against prepping, preppers, the whole movement in general. And we're about to tell you why. Have a listen and let us know what you think over the years. And this is probably the first episode on a theme of really kind of shifting your mindset a little bit. And one of the major, especially on the homestead, we're going to gear all specifically to homestead and how it's been an important and valuable part of how we've developed our homestead and our businesses and all of that. So, hey, friends. Welcome to The Schoolhouse Life, where we answer your pressing questions and share useful tools for creating your most fulfilling, self-sufficient family homestead. We go back to basics in all things family, faith, and farming, and we're eager to teach you what we've learned, everything from growing a garden to earning an income to living a less toxic and more nature-based lifestyle. We're thrilled you're here and hope you leave inspired to live your life as a schoolhouse too. The first one we wanted to start with was, this is actually a conversation we had recently with a local group of people who, you know, they're great people. They're probably listening. I hope some of you are listening. I don't know. But we really like sharing this message of hope and uh, and really of abundance. A lot of times people get into homesteading because they're prepping for like the end of days. And uh, that seems like a, a treacherous way to get started and can really take a toll on you uh, emotionally, spiritually physically even. And we've seen that happen with folks over the years. And so we wanted to just hit on that. What's the difference between a homesteader and a prepper? And we definitely identify as homesteaders. And, you know, no offense to preppers, but after this episode, maybe you'll reconsider whether you want to be considered a prepper or not. Yeah, I want to say, like, I think for a good while, I kind of thought of us as preppers. Did you? Yeah. I mean, I would say BC preppers. And BC stands for before Kevin <laughs> of preppers. And then once they came, it was kind of like, oh, yeah, we're, we've got, I felt, I felt pretty comfortable in our skill level. Like, I, not that we had everything put away. Yeah. Cause when I think of prepper, I think of like massive hordes of food and gold and even like equipment ammo. and ammo. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I think of. Yeah. I feel like we're fair to middle in on a lot of that. I think we're prepared to live life. Right. But that's how I think everyone should live. I mean, we've chosen this lifestyle for the lifestyle itself, not for the in case things go awry, we'll have something, right? And I think that that really is fundamentally... Sorry, we're also... We're uh, recording outside today because we had some work done in the schoolhouse where we normally record and it smells like chemicals in there. So enjoy the background sounds of our farm and the road out front. Right. (laughs) But yeah, yeah, anyway. I will say like, so when 2020 hit, we did order like five buckets of brain and we were like okay now yeah. now we're set <laughs> yeah yeah grains and, and beans but and i still like to have a back inventory on that just because it doesn't go bad and i mean there right. is it's not even about so much like i don't think it would sustain us if we really needed it it just might get us over a hump and i think there's some wisdom in that we'll talk about putting up food i still put up food. we'll talk about that right. later but first let's talk about prepping in general and what are some of the pitfalls because Prepper pitfalls. The prepper, yeah. The we prepper. need a little jingle for that. Prepper, kinda, da, 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 prepper pitfalls. Kind of like the other one we had. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think the, like we've said before, I think the the big pitfall is thinking that you can be prepared uh-huh. enough for anything. Well, you've jumped to the conclusion, right? Oh, like, uh, yeah. That's it. That's the worst. No, I'm just joking. I think the other, the thing that actually... And this was something that when we were really young and newly married, we were in a crew of people that it was it was something prepping and 
and really kind of conspiracy thinking. And I'm not anti-conspiracies. I believe that this world is crumbling around us. But I also know that I can't solve all of that. Right. And so we thought, you know, this we need to solve all this. We need to, you know, make plans. We need to be ready, right? We need to know where to look to find the right answers and find the right guru who knows what's happening all the time. This was BC also. Oh, this was like just past Y2K. Yeah. Y2K. <laughs> so I don't know if you remember Y2K. That was over 20 years ago. And yet I don't know that we've learned from that maybe false alarm. Do you think we have listeners that don't know about Y2K? Like our kids don't know about Y2K. That's a good point. Maybe we should just a real brief overview of Y2K. Because I feel like Y2K was like the one of the major like conspiracy theories. I mean, if you're younger than me, you probably didn't notice or care because I I graduated that year and I was at a Coliseum singing songs, having a good time, not worried about the world. Bringing in the new year. Yeah, bringing in the new year. Yeah. No, we were like in my parents' condo. My dad had like five extra gallons of water. And we're, it was like pretty sure things were going to go down, but you know, not sure. But if it did, we you were ready with we five gallons. Water. <laughs> I don't know what else we had, and I don't know why. I mean, you know, you need water. Yeah, so that's true. I, I Fundamentally, know. water right. is life. So, so Y2K was it was going to be the first time the computer switched from the 1900s to 2000s, and for some reason there was going to be a computer error that when the new war, when the new year came in, caused oh, like made nuclear weapons. Yeah, it just made everything fire off, fall. Apart. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was. I remember like thinking, okay, is. Probably actually not going to happen when like the new year came in in Australia and nothing happened. <laughs> and then like is that where time is? Time starts I, in Greenwich. It doesn't start there. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I just remember seeing that, and they were ahead of us. I think were they? Or maybe is Japan ahead of us? I don't know. I don't know. It was a country that was very far ahead of us, and nothing had happened. <laughs> and then I was like, wait a second, like is it going to ha- like is it, are we waiting for it to happen in the U.S. and that's where it's going to happen? And yeah, yeah, that, only in the U.S. Then I was like, all right, I think they got us on this one. <laughs> so yeah, a lot of people prepped for that. I remember I had a friend in college who his parents had a mountain home, and the home, like the basement, was stacked to the ceiling. It was like a two thousand square foot house. Mm-hmm. The basement was stacked to the ceiling with MREs. Like for Y2K, so that when that happened, they could go up there and they would have MREs forever. And they uh, okay, like, look, you know, I mean, I'm not going to tell anybody not to have that amount of preparation or stockpiles. MREs, I, Ooh, I don't know that's that not I even nutritional, <laughs> right? Yeah, and there's something to say about that too. You know, I mean, anyway, it's a whole different topic, but really just talking about preppers, you just, I mean, you go to the darkest places and your brain starts imagining this outcome that is so dark and so sort of devious that it's and and look I can look at history books and know that terrible terrible things have happened terrible terrible things have happened however the people who are like me I'm not sure could have done too much other than live their lives the best they could what do you mean like you well like average non non not heroic. dominating <laughs> well that's not even what I mean I think there's here her- massive heroism in simple acts like it doesn't have to look like, you know, assassinating Hitler, which would have been great. Why yeah. Why didn't no one get on that? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. So anyway, I don't know. Like there are big things that have happened. People have been literally, this is my favorite Dolly Parton song, uh, talking about the end of times ever since time began. And I think it's really important that we take a step back. And what really happened after that Y2K experience 
we were still in this like place where we were learning to from and talking to leaders who that was the main focus. And we decided we had to leave those places because we started having kids and it was a heavy, heavy weight to carry to try to solve those while also raising a family that had hope for the future. Yeah. I mean, it's just, yeah, for me, that was it for sure. It's like, I don't Mm want to be teaching my kids. Like there's no hope. Like, (laughs) or this is what we need to consume ourselves with most. Right. Is solving these problems. I will admit sometimes I think it would be pretty cool to have like, you know how you watch some of those movies where like the parents like have the kids, like they run like three miles every morning and like lift weights and they're like, like no combat training and like jujitsu. So like, you want to, you like want to raise soldiers. A, like soldiers. Yeah. yeah. I do think that would be yeah, cool. Yeah, that would be fun. <laughs> <laughs> no, all joking aside, that uh, would be cool. But like, you know. But just for I, the sake of it being cool. Right, not yeah, no, of, not like for preparing for anything, but you know. Just I, like, they would love that, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, maybe Abraham. I think Olympians <laughs> are probably raised that way. Yeah. Um, anyway, there's just so much. There's so much baggage when you start talking about prepping, prepping because you never feel like you're at the end of that. You never feel like you're ready enough. It's a constant feeling of what else can I do? What else can I do? What else can I do? And there's something about being wise. And I mean, even with our money, financially investing it wisely and, and all of that, that's good. But when we become obsessive about these things, it ends up taking all our money, all our time, all our energy. And are we bringing light to the world? Or are we really focused on our own personal needs? Because I have yet to meet preppers who have successfully come up with a group plan. Most preppers are very individualized and very focused on will their family have enough. So if you are a prepper, that has a group plan, Lacey. Reach out, yeah. <laughs> send an email to Lacey at theschoolhouselife.com and let her know. You don't have to describe your group plan, but you can just let her know you have it. Because mm-hmm. I would be, I'd be And it can't, it can't just be like a theory, like a, this is what I would do. It has to be like, you've discussed it with the group and everybody's on board. Like how many people are, are you requiring for a group? I mean, I don't know. That's a good question. I'd have to really give that some thought. Yeah. And what's the difference between a group and a community? Nothing. Okay. Zero. If you have a community prepper group. (laughs) That That actually is going to work together and isn't just like coming together to talk about conspiracy theories. Yeah. Because, I mean, there's a lot of people who maybe have groups that they get together and they chat about these things. Yeah. But that's not quite what I mean. mean, Okay. Anyway. Okay. Okay. So having kids, we made this decision that we would no longer get sucked into this kind of mindset. We just had to put a stop to it. And we decided that we had to have hope for their future as well as ours. And we had to focus on the joys of what was happening in our lives around us and not let that be overshadowed about any potential danger that could happen. Right. And that was like when we still lived in the city, had a little urban lot. Yeah. Then we moved out here and slowly grew this homestead Mm -hmm. and they're having a great time. And then somebody invented COVID and <laughs> or did they is that still debated or is that for sure yeah, it was, back uh, was back, yeah and that happened and then we found ourselves kind of going back down a dark rabbit hole oh I would yeah say. reverted and we were like well like I said we ordered like brain we were like we got a stockpile it went and we, I don't feel like we fell so much into the prepping because I think we felt I wouldn't say like ready completely but I think we felt somewhat confident that okay at least we're in a place where we can grow food we have a pretty good community of people we can rely on but we fell into a really dark place of trying to get to the bottom of it right 
and trying to solve it so that we could fix everything and so that we would know what was going to come in the future. So it kind of goes to our like idea of like taking on the system. Like, you know, there were, instead of taking on the system, like our new mantra is we're building our own system. <laughs> yeah. Get, like, get out of the system. Yeah. We, we don't care. That system is crumbling and we know it. Let's make a new system that's Which, better. Which, yeah, come to find out, we had really already done for the most part. I right. mean, we've been outside of the healthcare system for a really long time. We've been outside, outside of the outside education. Of the, and then outside of the food system as much as we can. Yeah. And so I think what we decided was, oh, our mission isn't to solve all of this and watch all the pieces fall into place because it's so big and so messy and so ultimately probably demonic is the right way to put it. But it doesn't matter because that's not my world. You know, I think realizing that that stuff that maybe chaos flying around us isn't meant for us. Well, yeah, I see that going two ways because like you can we can say like, well, we can exist without that system. But then I feel like someone could argue like until they come knocking on your door. Okay, sure. Your head in the sand. And I will say, I, I will say that COVID was the closest that we've come because people were knocking on people's doors. People right. were losing their jobs yeah. and the things were happening. I think even that stepping outside of, you know, having our own income that didn't rely on somebody else, an employer, that was also part of that. And I would definitely encourage everyone to do that. In fact, I encourage every single person to be an entrepreneur on some level and to take control of their income and their yeah. um, their livelihood. And it can be really scary and dangerous. And generally, the, the feedback I get from people on that is, well, I can't ever quit my job because I need the insurance. Well, then right. you're just stuck into this other system. you know. So it's like, if we really uncover the systems and layers that we're in, no prepper can be sustained. First of all, if they need insurance, like, right. right? I mean, ultimately, you have to choose a life that's separate from all of that in a lot of different ways. And so that is how I think we prepared. And when that all came to to pass, we realized, oh, thank goodness that we made these decisions. And we followed that calling on our heart, followed that calling on our heart to, to do those things. Yeah. And I don't think we were called to them like in the midst of making the choices to like live off the land and all of that. That wasn't about necessarily even living the system. I think it was just we weren't finding fulfillment there. And the, the life that we live, live here is so much more connected and so much more deeply right. rooted. It just was following that. And and yeah. so I think that that yeah. is what I, I hope that the benefit of COVID has done is we've seen so many more people separate themselves from that system in a lot of ways, whether, you know, they stopped going into work and they got, you know, a work from home job or they bought some land and they're growing their own or whatever. I, I saw a lot of people saying, Oh, I don't want to be a part of this carousel anymore. I'm going to jump off this ride and right. I'm going to live life the way I want to, instead of how somebody else is telling me to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway. So yeah, we are really committed to helping people make those choices. That's what we want for people. We want them to step out of all of those, those things that we get swept up in. And that like going back to the prepper thing, because I think that's where we started. <laughs> right. Is like it being the difference between abundance and scarcity. Yeah. Like, because I don't look yeah. at this as like, oh, I got to do this or else I'm going to die in the end. I'm going to die in the end regardless. Right? right. But. How well did you live? How well did I live? And I think the most valuable life is one attuned to nature and moving slower and being a part of the process of sustaining your family, sustaining yourself more, and also putting faith in the creator to, to help you. (laughs) Because I know that, you know, we've had a lot of problems arise and difficulties, but we didn't start out with this massive plan of, Oh, one day we're going to 
build this empire and, you know, grow our farm. And I mean, it just wasn't in the plan, but as those opportunities presented themselves, we took them and they have been our sort of our path that came without our plan. So I know that in the future, we'll have a path without a plan too, you know, and, and that's another thing. It's like looking back over the course of my life, I've never been abandoned. You know, there have been times where we struggled, where it's been really difficult, where we've been frustrated. We've been living, you know, with jobs we didn't want. Right. And wondering, you know, why is this happening? Why can't we have better? What do we need to do? And yet we came out of that. No, I remember us being so frustrated, like living in the city mm. on the quarter acre. Oh, and then we would put in offers on property that would fall through yeah, and we would be would devastated. Buy, come in and buy cash and we'd be yeah. like, this is the one and then it didn't happen and then this is the one. Oh, so heartbreaking. Happen. But, and if you're in that spot, I, I do want to encourage you that, like, the right property will show up. And the property we bought, Lacey absolutely hated. She cried that she didn't want it. I still have some angst about it, she to be honest. She still cries about it. But we bought it, and she, someday Lacey will love it. Thank I you. don't not love it. I do love it. It's just not what I had envisioned. And I, but it's better in a lot of ways than anything I had. Right. For a lot of reasons. And I could list those off. I mean, I, I know, and I'm grateful for what we have. Yeah, but it's just one of those things where if you have this vision for your life, a lot of times it doesn't go the way that you expect it to. Right, and being open to that idea, and being open. Oh, I just thought I had this thought today. It's okay to want things, right? Like I think a lot of times we live in. I I know a lot of times I struggle with the thing, the, the fact that I that I want things or I have like desires, like coveting. Yeah, like I want to make more money, or I want to, you know fix up my house more or, you know, like all of these like human wants. And I think that we, we tend to push our wants aside and say, well, I need to be happy with just where I am. And there's, you know, being happy where you are is important. Wanting something more is also a really good thing because it, it motivates us. And then also just being open to the idea that what you want might not be what's best for you or that there might be something different that's coming. You know, it's just, it's like the Garth Brooks song. Thank God for unanswered, unanswered prayers. prayers. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, yeah. it all goes back to, to country. Garth really. Yeah. yeah Garth and Dolly. Garth and Dolly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you think we were really into country western. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, so when you think about the term homesteading versus the term prepper, I do think they are two totally separate groups with two totally separate mindsets. And I think there's a lot of overlap, but I would encourage preppers to really to step outside. And I think homesteaders tend to be live in a prepping state of mind, but step out of that for a minute and evaluate where are you and how, how are you moving forward? Are you moving forward towards if things don't go how you want them to go, then they're all just going to fall apart or that you need to put off all this food because the inflation and the food shortages and all of that, you're going to die if you don't. Because, you know, I, I think that it's really important to put up food. I think that... Well, it's funny because if you think about it biblically, like especially coming out of the fall of feast and festivals, mm. like it's never, I don't know. I, I think of different examples. Like you think of Joseph and he definitely put up grain for mm. the Egyptians because he knew there was a famine coming. But I can't really think of other examples, maybe like the ant and the grasshopper parable. But other than that, the general idea is to celebrate the festival, mm -hmm. to celebrate the harvest. Like, it's never stockpile this because... Well, and even a really good example I on don't. both sides of that, and I always use this one because most people are familiar with the story of the Exodus from Egypt, right? You had these Israelites who were slaves, and they've been praying for years and expecting somebody to come and save them. They were right. expecting and waiting. But did they have stockpiles? 
No. They had no stockpile. But when they left, they took more than their minds could have possibly imagined. At the same time, you had the Egyptians who had all the technology, all this, you know, scientific wisdom, all these stores of food and farms, and it all was gone in the blink of an eye. Intelligence also. Potentially, yes. (laughs) But it was all gone in ten plagues. Right. Yeah. And how I don't know how quickly those things what do the rabbis say yeah anyway so you have both sides of the coin right like if you're waiting and for the savior to save you then that will happen right and if you're trying to lean on your own understanding well that'll probably wipe wipe you out so i think it's just a, a frame of mind right so homesteading embraces a heart of faith and knowing that when we plant seeds, those seeds will grow. And maybe they don't actually grow. Who knows? You know, right? But right. we put faith in there thinking they're gonna, right? Because right. that's they hold the potential. That's what we know. They hold that yeah. potential and then we and that's all we can do in this life. And I will say like this year, being the Shemitah year, mm-hmm. we learned that it, even if you don't put seeds in the ground, some things, things will some grow. Things grow right. That yeah. you don't find. And you'll have everything you need anyway. Right. Yeah. <laughs> even if they don't. Right. Or somebody will bring over a trailer load of food every week for months. You know, like they, right. there's always ways. So that that's a I know, right? And then they get out into the desert, and then they have food falling from the sky. I mean, who would who could have predicted that? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. So homesteading, it's about having the wisdom to appreciate the harvest now, about being good stor- stewards of what we have now, and it recognizes that putting up food is an act of gratitude, not of control, and so. You know, when we put up food, there's so much time and energy that goes into that. That's therapeutic in so many ways because we get to, to we get to participate in that abundance in a really in a really powerful way. A full pantry is certainly a glorious sight to behold. Yeah, for sure. Um, like it was super exciting when you were like, "We're out of room in our pantry." Like, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> satisfying. Right. And then then I'm like, "Build another pantry." <laughs> right. <laughs> However, I think that leads really nicely into one of the next conversations we're going to have, which is is about. So one of the next topics that we want to talk about is self care for the modern homesteader, which. I think self-care just has this really weird, like, it's got a lot of baggage with it these right. days. Like, a lot of people it's are something like, that rich hippies do. Yeah, it seems like that's... Maybe. And it's a movement, but also people begrudgingly talk about how it's selfish. And anyway, so we're going to, like, peel away the layers of self-care and how it applies to a homesteader and what we can do or not do with regards to self-care. So, listen I'm, in for I'm the next episode. That. And if you need help, if you're a recovering prepper or just a current prepper <laughs> and you want a little help, planning your homestead to be more abundant, to look at things differently. We can do a homestead audit. We can chat online with you. There's a lot. Maybe you just need a little bit of help with a mindset shift. You know, we have options that way too. If you go to the schoolhouselife.com, click at the top, my homestead audit, and we'd love to chat with you and help you figure out ways to make your homestead feel more abundant and less scarce. 